0: Hi, I'm Dave Martine from the Belgian band
1: Goose, and you're listening to Synth Stories on Ask Audio. Hi, I'm Ronik Sethi, and welcome to Synth Stories podcast, where every episode a producer breaks down how they created an engaging sound or melody in a popular track using a specific synthesizer. Synth Stories is brought to you by Ask Audio, the online hub for music producers, audio professionals, DJs, and synth enthusiasts with news, reviews, and tutorials available every day. In the Ask Audio Academy, you'll discover complete video courses covering topics from synthesis to songwriting, mixing and mastering to music software like Ableton Live, Logic Pro, FL Studio, Cubase, Pro Tools, Studio One, etc. If you're interested in learning from scratch how to make music, Or you want to know how the pros produce mix and master tracks using the best DAWs, the most useful plugins, and hardware instruments, then jump straight into the Ask Audio Academy. In this episode of Synth Stories, Dave Martin from Belgian band Goose reveals the makings of the crazily addictive hook from Synrise using the iconic ARP Odyssey. for us it's always hard to uh, look
0: back with the band, we always want to, how would I say look forward and and we're now creating a new album and there's a new EP coming out but sometimes it's good, people told us it's actually 10 years that Sunrise um, has been released so, well okay wow, so this makes sense too, to go back to the track um, and to check how we did it because um, there's this track started from an, an arpeggio with just a three-note arpeggio. It was just um, a minor chord which I made on an uh, Alpha Juno, press the, the memory in and then you, you can play those chords just with one note. And I played that and wrote it in MIDI and it had something where three minor chords but, of course, that sounded a bit too mellow or too hmm, generic. But then I sent those three notes to the Arp Odyssey just to see what happens. Synth players will recognize this. You're you're just in a studio and the hours they go away and you're just trying stuff. But I love that because after two hours or three hours, something might happen or nothing might happen. But in this case, um, those three notes were there and I was just noodling with the LFO, and the Odyssey has a, a interesting LFO. Every time you you trigger the synth with keys or just with a CV or gate in, the LFO starts his curve um, again from from zero. It's not like a continuous sinus or a square that is um, um, in the synth. It starts on the one. That you press. But that's really interesting because that way you can uh, create arpeggios or just intervals. It's something I didn't know. I just discovered it on the synth and I don't know any other synth who can do it. So I'm gonna bring in oscillator one and that's the root note of the arpeggio. The track is in G and I think it's just two notes G and C and an octave up, something like that. And it sounds really generic and, and simple. But then I added the second oscillator and that one is tuned in a minor chord. Um, and this is the sound I I had on the Alpha Juno, basically. But it's still just sounding like a toy and <laughs> sounding funny. But then I start. Wait. I started to use the square LFO on oscillator one, and start to retune. And now the the LFO makes a fifth on the root note. And now I'm gonna. Take the LFO and make it faster, so it starts triggering. And basically, there you have it. It sounds like a very complex arpeggio now. Which I didn't play. (laughs) This is the basic. This is how the arpeggio was made. Then I added some reverb on it can do it here. It's originally it was a deverb, from Avid, very basic reverb. Here I have something else just on the on the desk. And there it is and then the track starts to build. I open the filter more. And that goes on, the whole track it goes up, it goes down. In the breakdown we start to pitch the second oscillator to make kind of a climax to just uh, create some tension and to go to other places. Now it sounds almost like unison, it can go even higher. and go back so that is basically how it was made and it was it was not easy to to find it because the MIDI I I wrote was in a different key. So the synth is mistuned, but you just have to find it by ear. And the Arp Odyssey is great because um, it's a great synth, but the tuning is a nightmare for life. Um, There's no range knob like 32 or 16. So there's no, how you call it, octave divider. Um, So you have to tune it by ear. The, the chorus is, is very wide, from very low to very high. It's the same with the ARP uh, 2600. But that way you can uh, create um, uh, stuff you, you're you not in control of. You just listen and you just turn those knobs. Um, but for life we're using other synths. It would be really hard to use just this synthesizer for this arpeggio or something like that. What's interesting in the arpeggio on the track, there's a a second track just doing um, a low octave. I just can't, let's try that. I'm gonna rearrange it on the Canton Pro solo, which gives the CV and the gate to the synth. That's an important part too. So basically it's just double tracked. And I've listened back to the recordings and there was a funny thing in it. So this is a sawtooth wave and suddenly it changes to a square wave like this. And then we played with the width, with the pulse width. Sometimes you know um, pulse width modulation, but I did the modulation just manually. So it sounds very thin, sometimes very full. you hear it now it sounds funny but in the track it makes it more alive or something like that oh and it's really crackly synth sounds the same <laughs> um but the arp the arp odyssey was um for us was a, a a really important synth it was the first synthesizer we bought that was high-end to us of course we had other synthesizers that if we if you look back at them they were great the first synth we had was a seal orchestra two it's a italian poly synthesizer um which we did a lot with, but we we really wanted like a high-end uh, mono synth. So I was thinking of the Cork Monopoly, which had four oscillators, and I thought, okay, this is going to be the thing for us. Yeah, four oscillators, really fat. So I searched on the synth, on the Dutch synth forum. There's a whole synth community in Holland. Um, it's great. It's really you can find everything. Um, if you have a question, um, I don't know. It still exists, yeah. Um, and somebody uh, sold his, uh, wanted to sell his Cork um, Monopoly. So I drove with Bert, the drummer, to, uh, to Holland to check that synth. And we entered the room and we tried the Monopoly. And we thought, wow, it's great. But there was also an Arp Odyssey in the room. The guy didn't really understand how it worked, so it was in a strange setting. But we asked, "Can we try this? Can we try the synth?" And he he just connected it, and we just heard one oscillator, and we were convinced. It was so much fuller and so much more what we wanted. I think the Monopoly is a great synthesizer, but we weren't searching for that kind of sound, I think. The Odyssey and all the ARP stuff, I think it's slightly different. We all know the Cork and the Moog stuff, which is great. And we have an MS-20 and we used Moogs before. But ARP is slightly odd in a way. It's It's a brand that is famous, but not too famous. It was like a new world opening up to us. And actually, I got to know the brand Arp because of a Belgian band called Solwax. I've been with them on tour for two years as a live guitar player. So I had to rehearse in, in their studio, and there were, there were always uh, synths. Uh, there's, there were already a lot of synths now. it's Their new studio is, studio is massive. Sometimes I could take those synths at home and we could use them um, to create our first album w- with Goose. So that was great. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So at that time, David, David DeWalle, was um, making night versions. Um, he was making a lot of, of remixes and was working with Tiga. And he, he was using the ARP uh, 2600 a lot. It's, there's something with those synthesizers that is it's really straightforward. There's, um, I love the layout it's with faders so you can see your patch it's like a visual uh preset (laughs) it's um so i'm more uh, attracted to that than knobs i think to turn because i can see it and i can uh, give more expression with faders i think very inspiring to use i think i can let you hear some sounds that I really love I really love the Sample & Hold mixer, which we were using just to create a distorted sound. Everybody's using Sample & Hold for randomness in their um, tracks, just to, to open up the filter or to modulate the oscillators. But there was a guy, a Dutch guy, the D-ARP repair guy in Europe, it's called Saint Eric, Holy Eric. And he's all all about ARP. He's the the best to work on ARP synthesizers. If you enter his house, he has a chair from the brand ARP. I don't know why, but it's there. And he used to have a parrot who made ARP sounds, like bleeps and resonance sounds. Yeah, And he had a couple of Odysseys and Avatars. Avatars could compare them to Odysseys, but they were uh, made to uh, play guitar on. He pressed play and um, a classical symphony actually played. So that was his big thing. So we were very impressed as stupid young (laughs) synth uh, abusers. (laughs) But maybe, so he showed me that preset. Um, I was asking, we want to do um, like a fifth sonic guitar, like um, we call it a power chord. We love the sound of a distorted Power chord like you hear in, in the 90s in the grunge, but also in the hard rock. Can we do that? Of course, you can tune your synth in a fifth, but it might sound just too clean. So, there was a trick. Let's see. Just a really simple, yeah, media riff. I mean. I'm just going to retune the synth. Oh, I actually love the uh, filter envelope on the synth. That's something really special too. Something no other synth has. There's a There's a punch and there's like an organic attack to it. I love it. But let's go back to that power (laughs) chord thing with the sample and hold mixer. So I put an FM modulation on oscillator 2. And then I go to the sample and hold mixer and I choose whatever waves, saw to or square. Let's take a square. And there it is. It It starts to sound distorted. And that's what we really loved at the time was synthesizer that rocked like a guitar. Of course, you can live I'm, I'm using a big on my uh, big muff pedal on my synthesizer to even make it uh, more brutal. But I love it when it's already uh, in there in the synth. Then you can. Now I'm hitting the keys and I'm messing up my tuning which is great so and suddenly you're uh, in a different world now and me... The synth has also a great uh, ring, ring modulator, which is really um, something we can use to create distortion too. So this is the ring modulator. So we make like bell sounds with it, but more distorted. Not like your typical uh, chimes, chimes sorry. There's also um, a sync setting on the synthesizer, like to sync the second oscillator on the on the first one. It's great too. Let's see if it still works. Wow. <laughs> messing up the tuning and that's great it's it's a it's a great synthesizer for um how would i say it um if you're using arp synthesizers you need to use your ears better than um you can't rely just on tuning on if you're using a mooc you you have your uh, octave divider you put it in the right setting and you have a master tune. It's the same at the Chorecam S20 or, or other synths. If you if it's well calibrated and you put it in the middle, you're somewhere near the right tuning. With this synth, you have to listen or if you're using synthesizers, analog synthesizers live, we're using a, a guitar pedal to tune it also, just as it would be a, an electric guitar. But of course, with this synth, you don't see the octaves. So... I've used it live a couple of times before um, we were still um, recording Bring It On, our first album. And we didn't know what synth should we use on stage. And we were using the Odyssey a lot in our recordings at the time. So I took that one on stage and it worked really well. It sounded great through a PA system, but Take It Out Live, it's, it's really like a, a fragile synthesizer because the keys, they stick out of the body. The clones that Cork made—they're built better to to take on tour. I think the faders are really fragile too, and they get dusty um, quite often. So they need a lot of uh, maintenance and work. You have to find a good uh, synth repair dude <laughs> if you want to use those synths. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I like it—the fact it's fragile and it's uh, it's a delicate machine to use and you you have to love it really you just can't abuse it <laughs> so um, but when playing live with Goose we're using another brand and it's called Taisco it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a Japanese synthesizer brand who got bankrupt in 1982 or something and they wanted to make their own version of an Odyssey or or maybe a, a mini MOOC, but it's, it's a Tysco 110F and it has two oscillators and it's, it wants to sound American, I think, but it sounds different. And those are our, our license. We're using a, a two oscillator one, Tysco 110F, so we can do the the power card thing and the cross-modulation. And Tom, our bass player, is using a 60F, and that's just one oscillator. Um, you could compare it to a SH-101, but much fatter. And we try stuff in the, in the rehearsal room, but we always end up with those TySco synthesizers. You could compare it to AC-DC using Gibsons and Marshalls, uh, even if we want to try something else. And sometimes that's frustrating but for us four, it works the best with those synths. We made a, a wall of sound with those Tysco synthesizers. There's something very mean um, with those synths. The reason why we made that first album, Bring It On, was to escape from this town and to go on tour and have fun uh, and to party. So we couldn't do that with rock music. It would be too boring. <laughs> so we we invented this own style which combines classical drums or, or, or guitars and synthesizers but the way we did it I think was different because you have a lot of DJs and, and producers they go out and DJ or they do a, a live set with just a couple of, of synths but there's a lot of people then who wanted to do a real uh, live. Suddenly they wanted to be a live band but Some people did it just for the look of it. We were just (laughs) a rock and roll band. So I think that history we have together as a rock and roll band makes Goose what it is today. So CineRise started really with that simple arpeggio first uh, made on an Alpha Juno synth. I was in the studio and the other guys had to uh, DJ in Holland I think. I stayed in the studio and we just we just got new speakers and speakers are like an instrument. Suddenly you hear different stuff and I just started to create something really fast which was that arpeggio and then just a three note bass line underneath it, very simple. Before we knew, the, the rough, rough demo was already there. So the guys came back from the DJ set the day afterwards and they had a listen and there was something in there and then we started to add stuff. We tried to do um, vocals on it. Mikael tried a couple of actually great vocal uh, top lines. They brought us too much in, in one direction. We didn't want... There was something trancy in, in that track, something that... It's hard to explain, but that goes on and on and on, which is really nice. Like you could dance forever. Um, so we had to take care of that to not lose that vibe. So we worked on the track. Then um, we told we tried um, a litter bin as um, <laughs> as a demo for a timpani. <laughs> That sounded really like too rough, but the idea was there. And then we hired real timpanis to make the track better, but only one fitted in our door. So we ended up pitching that timpani and, and recorded it three times. The great thing, the great surprise of this track, I think the vocal line, um, which was done by Peaches, we, that we all know. We got to know Peaches because of friends that her, knew her. We had a very, very simple uh, synth line, also three notes. Ooh, 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 ooh. She just released, I think, her third album, uh, I Feel Cream. And there's a track, Lose You. And she sings not harsh and mean like uh, we all know her on her first two albums, but she sings like almost like an angel. And that was wow, this would be a really nice um, vocal or sound for the Synrise track. So she gigged in Antwerp, in Belgium, and we managed to get her in a cab, take her to our studio here in Kortrijk, and then she just did it. She just, she just sang those three notes. And this is what the, what made the track Next Level. That was something we really needed. And it gave the track um, much more definition. Otherwise it would be just an instrumental track. So we were really happy and we're still really grateful that she did that. Synrise the album got released and we thought, wow, we have Synrise, it's a great track. But everybody said to us, it's a great opener. Oh yeah, nice opener for the album and we started to gig after a while and Sinrise was our opening track and nothing happened. People didn't dance, people were expecting um, Goose as the first album was really hard and uh, mean and rock and, and Sinrise was more subtle so it took some time that for, for people to, to understand that track. We made a radio edit out of it and I think that changed everything. I didn't like to do that. I love the track length, how it is. and But if that gives you radio airplay and if that is a way that people can get your track and get into it and love it, it's a good compromise. So we did that. It was on the Belgian national radio. And suddenly, within a few months, we performed on a big festival, Vector, in Belgium. And it was... It became an anthem. Everybody sang... And now if we start a gig, people are already singing that that lick. <laughs> so it's like a football chant or something like that. So it really became a, a track of the people, the greatest compliment you ever get. If if we play it, of course, it's everybody goes nuts. We love to play it. You forget what you're playing. It's a track that connects people. It's something... You're in it together, and that's the the best, really, to to be one with your audience. And that sounds really mellow, but it's it's an amazing feeling, and it's so uplifting for the people. But for us, you never get used to it. If people sing your music, it's really, really great. Part of making albums with Goose, we're also um, lately we're also making soundtracks. For instance, I did War of the Worlds and Red Light and Bert did Grand Slanders. We're all doing stuff, sometimes on our own, sometimes together, but Goose will always be the, the foundation to us for.
1: A big shout out to Dave Martins and Goose for digging deep and deconstructing the main arpeggiated hook from Sunrise sharing their love of synthesizers and showcasing the art odyssey and what it can do find out more about goose on www.goosemusic.com they're the belgian guys not to be confused with the indie rock outfit from the u.s and remember to check out the ask audio academy the video courses covering all aspects of music production this is ronick Sethi from ask audio Thank you for listening to Synth Stories.